Bonjour, vous écoutez Barbara Viernick Explorers, le podcast qui vous emmène à la rencontre des chanteurs de jazz actuels en Europe. I had a teacher, a class teacher, who recognized that I was musical and, and she, she said you should take this exam, you know, to get a scholarship. Yeah. And I said, oh, I, I don't have a teacher. And she said, stay behind after school. Mm -hmm. I will teach you. Oh. She said, choose some music from what you were playing when you were having lessons. And uh, she helped me. She coached me. Wow. And I took the first exam I got through and then the second one. And I had to sing to get in. I found myself going to Trinity College of Music in London for an audition and I had to sing. But it didn't occur to me to take singing. I could have taken singing as a second study, probably, yeah. but I didn't because that's not the way I wanted to sing. You know, I still wanted to sing like Frank Sinatra <laughs> and and Lena or Lena Horne. D'aussi loin que je me souvienne, Norma Winston a été une source d'inspiration dans ma manière d'interpréter le jazz. Pour ceux qui ne le sauraient pas, Norma Winston a apporté un nouveau souffle au jazz vocal européen, et ce depuis les années 70. Toujours avec intégrité et avec une émotion puissante, elle a permis au jazz vocal de prendre un nouvel envol. But I think I was telling you when we were talking once before about having been very influenced by American singers. Yeah. Of course, so all the great singers in that music mm -hmm. were from America. Um, and I obviously, I suppose, I learnt songs from them singing them, hearing them uh, sing, and and so I sang with a voice that was very influenced by American accent. I think, yeah, like a lot of people do when they sing standards, they sing with an American accent, and it's perfectly acceptable. Although Cleo Lane, who I talked about yesterday. Yeah. She always sang with an English accent. <laughs> you know, whatever she sang, she did. Um, It was assumed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she sang in English. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't even think about it until singing Michael Garrick's songs, the ones that he wrote and mm -hmm. said, could you learn them? I sang them and they were written by an English person. The, the words were written by, you know, with, with a very English sort of literary background, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. he was very into literature. And um, so I just sang them, I suppose. I didn't even think I just sang them like me. Yeah. It was just after that, when I was back singing a standard again, I suddenly came to a word which I would have <laughs> sung um, Like it was, you might say, I could have danced all night. And suddenly, I couldn't, not that I ever sang that, but you know, something like that. I wouldn't have been, I could have danced, danced. I, I, sing, I say dance, not danced. If I came from north of England, I might say danced. Okay. But it wouldn't be danced. It would be danced. Okay. It would be, you know, be slightly different. But I realized, oh, This What is, am I doing? <laughs> yeah. This is not me. 
this is someone else's voice yeah. coming through me. Um, I mean, it wasn't a big revelation or anything, but I, it made me think. Mm -hmm. And so I somehow wasn't able to sing after that with an American accent. Although people have said to me, oh, yes, it, you, you do sing. You do sing like an American. Oh, really? Yeah, like an American. I don't know whether I do. I mean, I, I have the big, big influence in sound for me mm -hmm. was Sinatra. And of course, you can't be more American. But his was never exaggerated. La tradition a donc eu une place prépondérante dans le parcours musical de Norma. Enfin, si c'est Frank Sinatra qui lui a donné ses premiers émois musicaux, elle s'est rapidement tournée vers d'autres genres. I heard kind of blue, mm -hmm. Miles Davis, and that was it really. I just was completely taken over by this music yeah and wondered how a voice i thought how satisfying to be in a music like that for a voice but i had no idea how it yeah. could happen mm -hmm. um but i just thought it would be wonderful if it could because i'd heard bebop you know i heard charlie parker and, and dizzy gillespie and i loved that stuff and and i, I loved the The melodies, but I never really wanted to improvise over those sort of changes. changes Probably yeah. they were too difficult. Mm. <laughs> That's why. But you know, you've got sort of chord changes like every every um, couple of beats. Yeah. Um, but with this <laughs> modal music, it's open, and I thought, wow, this is more like the French, like Debussy and and Ravel, and that that, that impressionistic music that. I loved mm -hmm. and um, but so that was there I didn't know what how I could ever be involved yeah. in anything like that except I thought well maybe if you wrote words to those kind of tunes maybe that would be a way in to that music okay but I didn't sous l'impulsion de Manfred Eicher pour le fameux label ECM, ils ont formé le légendaire trio Azimuth avec le trompettiste Kenny Wheeler et le pianiste John Taylor. Ce contexte musical a permis à Norma Winstone d'explorer les palettes sonores de manière très innovatrice, de mêler sa voix aux instruments, sans spécialement la mettre au premier rang, d'improviser avec de nouvelles sonorités, de jouer avec les silences, de chanter sans vibrato, avec une voix d'une pureté infinie. De mon côté, je me suis toujours demandé si à l'époque, ils savaient à quel point ils étaient novateurs dans leur style. Well, I think we were aware because yeah. um, because it got some strange reaction, you know, from critics. Oh, at times and um, I think they weren't and it was obvious that, that it wasn't a usual lineup for mm -hmm. the music we had played. Um, And which was jazz, but some people said it, they didn't think it was jazz. But we'd all come from jazz backgrounds, so you know, I don't know really what else, it, how else you could call it, you know, really. Um, and I guess there were, that's another thing people said, oh, it's, it's they're influ influenced by Terry Riley and um, Steve Reich. I, I don't think John, I'm not sure that he heard Steve Reich. Mm -hmm. At the time, but that's but, incredible because it's really like in the same atmosphere, and it's yes. really like so obvious when we listen to Azimuth that Steve Reich is 
is in is there? there? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, well, maybe I, I'm wrong, but I mean, I don't think John thought of anything like he wrote the pieces, but of course, uh, um, I suppose you know because of the lineup, mm-hmm. he had to play a lot of mm-hmm. things, you yeah. know, rhythmic things, and and or keep sustained ostinato things, so that would sound a bit like yes, Steve yes. Reich. But we had uh, solos going on over the top. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe he had heard him, but I don't... He always seemed a bit surprised. When so it must be like that. I think it so. Was just... Yeah. But, um, yeah, we were, I suppose, aware that it was different, but it was... I don't know. It was, it was lovely. It was. I, I so enjoyed singing those those lines and and the idea of of being able to sing in unison with Kenny, which of course I had done before a lot, but improvising with him as mm-hmm. well alongside mm-hmm. him was well. I don't know. It was just just wonderful. But um, I don't know. I think people would be more ready for it now than they were then. eu d'éducation musicale conventionnelle. D'ailleurs, une des premières fois où elle est montée sur scène démontre à quel point son parcours est atypique. I, Michael said, oh, Michael Garrick, I've got these songs I've written. Um, would you like to have a look at them? So he gave me the songs, I took them home and I, I looked at them, learnt mm-hmm. one or two of them, and I went to a gig that he was doing with his sextet. 
and he said, uh, would, you, would you like to sit in and sing one of the songs? Wow. So I did. Yeah. And then I was about to just go and sit back in the audience. And he said, no, stay, uh, stay on and join in the next piece. Well, the next piece was, um, I think it was probably Temple Dancer or something. It was, it was in 10. It was an unusual time <laughs> signature for me. Um, 10, 8, I think. And Not only for you. No, well, it's just unusual for anybody <laughs> at the time, yeah. Um, and there were no words, and I think it was just one chord, more or less, you improvise okay. it. So I thought, well, okay. So I did a wordless mm. improvisation. And at the end of the evening, you know, the lineup of his band was two saxophones and trumpet, and piano, bass, drums. And he said, well, one of the saxophone players is leaving. Would you like to join the band and sing the saxophone lines? Okay. So I said, wow, this is really good. And, and of course, I had to do everything mm -hmm. in the key that it was in. It was no question of, oh, we change this key yeah. because you can't reach that note. Because <laughs> I'd said to him, oh, that's a bit high. Well, you just have to do it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I did a bit more long note long note practicing and going up and trying to get my voice higher. Depuis son plus jeune âge et depuis qu'elle a commencé à chanter, il lui suffisait d'entendre une fois un morceau à la radio pour l'apprendre et le connaître par cœur. Et puis, quand Norma a commencé à improviser, c'est très naturellement qu'elle s'est laissée guider par les suites harmoniques. Pour elle, les improvisations sont comme des mélodies. Yeah, I mean it's really instinctive and it It's what it was from the beginning. Yeah. Um, because I didn't know there was any other way you could do it. Mm -hmm. um, of course, now I know in schools they, they they teach you about the chords and you know singing like the thirds and the fifths mm -hmm, and the mm -hmm. you know, leading notes and. Um, but by the time I probably could have approached things in that way. I had already been a long time doing my own form of yeah. improvisation and I'm sure it could improve, but I think now it would kind of hold me back if I then had to think about what yes, I can yes, sing yes. on this particular chord. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yes, it's, it is instinctive. But I, I think whatever you do, whether you're working on knowledge, um, mm -hmm. Or, or whatever, you have to be able to hear in your head where the piece is going. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just yeah. You know, it's like a a whole um, sequence that you need to know in inside you, your, your you know your, your head. You need to know where you're going. You need to hear it just in yeah. advance. Mm -hmm. Everything you're doing and that's really comes from either if you play the piano you know familiarizing yourself with the, yeah with the shape of where it's going and that would work I mean you could maybe play on the piano what you could sing and and give you some ideas but that's that's not the way I've ever worked I've listened to the way people that I know like people like Kenny he has an extraordinary had an extraordinary way of of improvising you never knew where he was going to finish okay the line would go and you think oh it's going to finish there and it just goes around the corner and finishes somewhere else 
And I love that. Les mots ont pour Norma une place toute particulière au sein de sa musique, à tel point qu'on pourrait comparer ses chansons à de la poésie. Elle manie la mélodie et les paroles avec un art qui n'appartient qu'à elle. Well, I always feel that the lyrics come out of the music. Mm -hmm. I don't really like to impose words on a piece of music. I so you rather, never do it? Well, I do, obviously. I suppose that's what I am doing. But, but they come normally from listening over and over and over yeah. to a piece until a line comes out somewhere that feels good to sing yeah. and feels good with that musical mm -hmm. phrase. And sometimes it's in the middle of the song. Sometimes it's at the beginning. And having a title is helpful sometimes, mm -hmm. even if you change the title, to have something to start with is a help to try to get your mind into what this could be about. Um, and the thing is, I, I don't really... I would love to be able to write words like Joni Mitchell, mm -hmm. tell a story and set some kind of a scene between people. But my words never seem to come out like that. I can't seem to do that. But I seem to want to write words that could be ambiguous. You know, it could mean more than one thing. Mm -hmm. Or It's really like a poem. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Mm -hmm. People say it's poetry, but I think that the words... There's, there's another thing people have said, oh, why don't you publish a book of your words like poems? But to me, they're not really poems. They're It's really connected to the music. Connected yeah. to the music. I suppose they do stand on their own, but mm -hmm. I don't know. For me, they, they came from the music. And maybe that's why they seem to fit. I, you know, and I never like words of, where people just write enough syllables to fit mm -hmm. the notes. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, it's got to be like there's a phrase yeah. in music. So does it mean that sometimes you, you, the, the music has to change to fit your words? Or is you, it like you no, really... Usually not. No. Um, because when I, I've written a lot of words to Steve Swallow's pieces. And he said, oh, by the way, feel free if you need to change yeah. the melody or you need to change a rhythm or something. I hardly have ever done that. Mm. I don't know. I always try to fit whatever the music was in the first place. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I might have to put in an extra note or something yeah. because there's a, an extra word I need in there or something or miss out the note because there isn't a word for it. Yeah. But mostly they're very close to the original melody, I hope. Mm. You know, it's very, I think it's very important. I, I feel sometimes people treat it very lightly, writing words. Oh, oh yeah, we, oh, I want to sing some words to this. And yeah, oh, that will fit. And, and, and I'm not left with any feeling of what the thing's about, mm -hmm. either the music mm -hmm. or the words. Mm -hmm. um, to me, it's really got to be a real mix of words and music. Long 
pied dans la tradition, un autre dans la modernité. Une oreille tournée vers les standards américains, une autre vers les nouveautés européennes. Norma est libre depuis ses débuts. Elle ne suit aucun code, ne s'impose aucune règle, aucune limite. Sa douceur et sa patience lui donnent la possibilité de mettre sa grande sagesse au service de la musique. It's music and, and of course I, I feel an affinity with European music. Yeah. Um, and I think that it had a lot of influence on jazz. You know, when you think about Bill Evans' chords, you know, on on Miles's, you know, that that recording mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that he, the, the tracks he's on in Kind of Blue, that comes from comes from the the, the impressionist yeah. European harmony. Well, same mm -hmm. with Herbie Hancock mm -hmm. on, on Funny Valentine. You know, his his playing is it's It's more from Europe than, mm -hmm. say, from Africa. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of course, rhythmically, there was, of course, it's all a mishmash anyway. It's, <laughs> it has to come from somewhere, but you can't expect things to stay the same. No. Um, and for me, I don't care what it is, as long as, as long as it's music that touches me. You know, it can be from anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be. Jazz, but it has to have that element of 
freshness of feeling that somebody's trying to do something. C'est sur ces paroles que nous clôturons cet épisode. Je me réjouis de partager avec vous la suite de mes aventures très prochainement. Vous pouvez également vous rendre sur le site Barbara Viernick Explorers pour retrouver des interviews complètes. Vous pouvez me laisser un commentaire, un message ou bien vous abonner sur la plateforme que vous avez utilisée pour écouter cet épisode. C'était Barbara Viernick Explorers, un podcast réalisé par Barbara Viernick et Zoé Van Coppenol. Les interviews sont réalisées par Barbara Viernick. Le jingle est écrit et interprété par Alain Pierre. Merci pour votre écoute.